When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. All right, overnight crowders, it's time to talk about the AFLW. We know that there's lots of information we still don't know about the CBA and if and when the season will start. But one of the things we have been seeing is, of course, Movements of players uh, to new clubs, new expansion clubs, and none bigger than the one this week where Erin Phillips has confirmed she is heading across to Port Adelaide. Alex Catalano is joining us from the Inner Sanctum to help us work our way through all of the big stories. And Alex, this is the biggest one. Even though we probably thought it was coming, it's still huge to finally have it confirmed. Oh, without a doubt, Jen. And yeah, thanks for having me on, of course. Um, But no, it was always going to, one of those stories that was more of a, (laughs) <laughs> a when as opposed to an if with yeah. Erin Phillips, I think. But lots of very happy Port Adelaide fans this week seeing her finally in the Guernsey. And the, obviously the connection to, to Dad was huge. Uh, she's got, she's confirmed she's going to wear his old playing number. Uh, so it's got the romanticism tied heavily around it. It does, it does. It's a real fairy tale. And I think, you know, it was one that everybody was sort of waiting for. I guess, like I said, um, you know, when Port didn't have a team from the start, it was... You know, the first questions they asked her was, <laughs> would you play for, for Adelaide or would you wait for Port? And she said, I'm going to be a Port Adelaide player. And then what do you know, the last six years of history. <laughs> but no, it is it is very romantic. And, you know, we've seen father-daughter selections come through in the AFLW already, but none, I think, with quite such a large profile uh, than, than Aaron's. And obviously it's a, a later in her career sort of move and not quite the same as the the younger girls said, I argue that even gives a little bit more something special to it where she's been waiting and waiting and, you know, she might not have ever even had this chance in her career really if, you know, they did wait until 2020 or 2021 whenever they were going to bring it the competition in the first place. So it's great. It's a great story and um, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a Crowd supporter that will boo her at the first showdown. I think it's going to be um, very much applauding the champion player of the competition still. Yeah, well, you speak of the showdown, and I reckon Adelaide Crows have done wonders in making sure the showdown is as spicy as possible from the very beginning of it. Uh, their announcements announcing not only Aaron Phillips, but then also Ange Foley, a former vice captain of the club, heading across to Port Adelaide, and they just say on their Instagram or on their tweets, uh, heading across to a new club or heading across to an expansion team. Like, quite salty in their texts, most people thought. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely comes through a little bit. Um, I think they always knew this day was coming to yeah. Crows. It was going to happen eventually. But um, it's another great get for them with Foley. Like you said, former vice-captain. Um, she's got that leadership just like Erin Phillips does. Um, they're really going to add those senior heads, I think, to build the team around, which is interesting because we've seen a lot of teams really build that young core um, so far. You look at the Swans, you look at um, Hawthorne, and they've looked to their young players first, whereas the... The power have chosen to, to build the team around this core of veterans, which I think will go nicely for them. But, yeah, definitely has that spice because there's 
definitely going to be a number of players still to come. Mm. Um, from what we understand, I think it's eight players they can take without any compensation. So definitely a few names still uh, still around that they're looking at. Well, we saw um, Hatchard was originally someone that was being touted as heading across, but she reconfirmed to Adelaide Crows. Have you heard any other names um, being floated around? All rumour, of course. Yeah, there's not too many at okay. the moment. Um, Eloise Jones is probably the biggest name I think I've heard tossed up that they really are chasing hard at the moment, Port Adelaide. No doubt now with Anne Hatchard recommitting, Ebony Marinov will be well on their radar too. Um, I think... You know, they'd probably be pretty unwilling to lose both of them, but uh, one of them, the, the Crows might be looking to budge, but it is a very, very hard call. Um, yeah, Jones is probably the only one that there's actual word out, I think, at the moment. In terms of other players that the Power are looking at, obviously there's that Brisbane connection with Lauren Arnell, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them throwing a few offers around up, up there too. Um, Emily Bates, I know they did extend the Olive Branch out too, but obviously she's um, held on and recommitted with Brisbane. Um, but no, I think there's a, there's a number of them and a number of fringe players I would like to see them sort of go after mm. um, that maybe we might touch on as well. Yeah, that, well, that would be interesting to see who fringe-wise are players that come because I guess we do get stuck talking a lot about the big names and these mm. moves are big, big chances for some other players to find their way into a bit more mainstream knowledge. Well, exactly. And with the Crows having been such a strong team really since the inception of the competition, you know, there's always those players that do miss out on opportunity, and there's a few of them I think that the, the power should definitely be looking at, and I'd be starting with the, the ruck groups because the Crows really do, after pre-season, we're all talking about they might struggle in the ruck department. They've suddenly got about four or five on their list, mm. um, and, and no AFLW team needs that many because at least three of them are going to be playing in the twos every week. But Caitlin Gould, I think she's really come into her own really strongly across this year. I'd love to see Port look at her. Um, I think it'll be be between her or Montana McKinnon that they might try and lure out. But I see Gould adding a bit more to a young team on the come up. She's a really strong player around the ground. She's shown she's got marking presence. McKinnon may be more of that pure tap rock who could develop more to her game. But I think if you're looking to build a midfield group around one player, uh, you go with her, with, Mm. with Gould, definitely. The other player, I suppose, it's only just come to me now, but could return home would be Cutting, who went across to chase her AFLW dreams with St Kilda. She's a South Australian from memory. Yeah, she's one that's definitely been thrown up. Jess Good from Carlton as well, another South Australian um, who's yeah playing over in Victoria. Mm. Could be that key forward or backup rough role. I think she'd do well. Came along quite nicely for the Blues across this season. Um, another South Australian playing elsewhere, Indy Tahu from the Lions. Uh, she is a part of their premiership side and obviously recruited from South Adelaide. So I think she'll be on the radar as well. Very underrated defender and they do form quite a strong group down there at the Lions. So she's been part of a very good system. I think if I was Lauren Arnell and if you're chatting to anyone, uh, you'd definitely be looking at her as one of them. And so in across other teams as well, I suppose one of the other big signings was an original Fremantle player has said that she's going to commit across to Essendon in Steph Kane, the, the winger. Yeah, I know. We talked a little bit about this midweek, <laughs> Jen, because uh, nice to see my Bombers poaching a couple more players from elsewhere. And I didn't see this one coming. No. Um, Steph Kane, obviously one of the best wingers in the competition, full stop. Um, probably doesn't get the recognition she deserves, but... I think her teammates certainly rate her very highly. I spoke to um, early Runnels early season um, about sort of learning off her and 
Um, the other girls in there as well, Ebony Antonio, obviously a great one to learn off uh, across the wing forward positions too. And, you know, the, she spoke very, very highly of what Kane had taught her in just one pre-season alone. I think she's going to be another great addition. And if the Bombers plan on playing Georgia G up along the wing, a bit higher up the ground like Carlton did sometimes, she'd be a perfect mentor for her to help her take her game even further on. So um, huge on that pickup for the Bombers. They've really put together this group of um, players from everywhere else that, I don't want to use the, the word super team, Jen, but it's looking very, very good at the moment. Very active in the trade period is one way to describe Essendon, or the unknown yeah. trade period, uh, which actually probably leads me, uh, and you can you can come back to it if you've got other movement news, but one of the things I did want to talk to you about was we still don't really understand what t- existing teams might get for players that move on to these new expansion sides. In, you know, Do they get top-up high-level draft picks, how is it going to work? That's one thing I'm really interested in if you've got a take on what what should be offered as compensation. Yeah, I think like how we sort of talked about it last week, um, I, I do think it's a little bit unfair to throw high draft picks at teams because you, you then are yeah. sort of um, putting a little bit of a, a halt on the plans that the expansion teams maybe have in those first rounds. So I'm still not 100% sure what they should do. And from the sounds of it, the AFL isn't also 100% sure on what mm. they should do at the moment. Um, the CBA still hasn't been finalised, so I can't imagine we'll see anything until then because obviously they've got to sort player contracts and everything as well. Um, so I really don't know um, what's going to happen in that sense. I think if we look at that first round of expansion where it was three players gone and then you have to trade or you get um, a pick in return, something along those lines I think will probably be implemented again. But I think aside from Adelaide and the Giants, I don't know if we'll see too many teams lose a lot of players. You know, every team has a, a pool they can look at. Essendon and Hawthorne specifically have got eight other Victorian clubs to look at and there's Victorian players uh, across the, the nation as well here and there um, playing for, for other teams. And Sydney clearly aren't just going for New South Wales talent. They've picked up a few players out of the VFLW so far. So I think we might see it being a pretty even spread and hopefully there won't have to be too much compensation considered um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what they will do, but I think we hopefully shouldn't get to a point where any team does need too much compensation, like the Bulldogs uh, when that first round happens, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it leads us into the other point that's worth discussing, even though it's, again, just speculation, I suppose, because we just don't have the answers. But the CBA is another huge component to where AFLW is going to be at and what's going to be occurring for players, coaches the organisations into what they can spend. Uh, but we know that um, McLaughlin's across in the USA looking at the latest broadcast deal. The thing from my sort of knowledge is broadcast deal pays a big chunk of what actually works for the CBA. So are we going to potentially see even more of a delay on the CBA whilst we figure out the broadcast deal? Yeah, I think that might be a part of it. Well, I guess the, there was a um, couple of articles out saying that it is going to be for the whole sort of package if, if uh, the AFL do decide to, to put the broadcast rights elsewhere. So it could be that, yeah, 10 mm. Paramount Viacom looking at um, picking up the whole thing. And I assume similar to how Chaos are doing it, having a few games a week um, streamed through Paramount and um, have a few on free-to-air as they normally sort of do, which it'll be interesting how that, yeah, balances out to the AFLW as well. Um, I guess if we look at the model that the A-League men and the A-League women operated off this year where the A-League men only had, I believe, two games on free-to-air um, and the women only had one mm. um, out of six and five games respectively. So 
Um, I'm not sure how they would do it with the AFL. I assume we're going to see more <laughs> free-to-air than that. Um, but it will have an interesting flow-on effect here. As you said, the CBA um, and I think A-League fans too will be definitely thinking about how it affects them if they've got the AFL on their platform because suddenly that's a lot more viewers uh, to Paramount Plus if that is how it ends up working out. Um, but from the sounds of it, they do want to look elsewhere. I don't know necessarily the inside information on how they're dealing with Seven and their coverage at the moment, but um, yeah, all words seem to be pointing to moving on elsewhere. Yeah, it does, which is interesting. And then, as I said, if we go back to the CBA then, have you heard anything further on, is is it moving forward? Is there a point where, you know, pen can get put to paper and the players have some assurity as to where they're at? Well, much like Hawthorne signing news, uh, nothing, very, <laughs> very little. They're keeping it well under wraps, um, the AFL. I'm not sure. It's an interesting one because uh, the PA obviously still has to be, you know, talked through with it and they have to have a say in where the players sit on it. But um, obviously most clubs have just gone into off-season and there's players going away on holiday or going back to work, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if there has even been a time frame allotted for it. We're supposed to have the signing period or the quote-unquote signing and trade period starting. Um, initially, the word I'd heard was by the end of April and... Well, we're at the end of April and <laughs> there's still no official uh, dates provided. So I guess we're looking at a May at the earliest. Um, everybody still seems to be under the impression that the season's starting in August. But if things don't start moving quickly, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a pushback to September, October, um, if, yeah, things don't actually start to move in that space because we're all just about as in the dark of each other at the moment. Aren't we what? Aren't we what? Well, Alex, it's always great to speak to you about all things AFLW. Is there anything else? And you can go completely off script here. Is there anything else you wanted to chat about on the overnight crowd tonight? <laughs> um, look, I think we covered uh, what's going on in the world of AFLW at the moment. Um, honestly, I just want to want to see it all get clarified and have a bit more of a structure um, to base everything around because... I feel like we keep coming on and we keep saying we don't know yeah. when everybody wants to know, but no one's got any information on it. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm hoping to find a bit of that. I guess while we are talking AFLW, I will say that um, if it's okay to, to drop a little plug in here, um, we are. I have been working on a new podcast for the first episode releasing uh, on Wednesday um, called Between the Arts podcast, where hopefully I'm going to get some answers to some of these things because I'm looking to chat to all kinds of people across the AFLW industry uh, as a whole. So we've got list managers, we've got media people, we've got players, coaches, all that kind of thing lined up. So hopefully by the time we get closer to this date, uh, I will know a little bit more from the actual uh, mouths of these people that are involved. Very good. Well, all the best with the, the new venture and uh, thanks again for joining us on the Overnight Crowd. Pleasure as always, Jen. Thank you for having me. That's Alex Catalano, one of the authors, contributors to the Inner Sanctum, joining us here on the Overnight Crowd with all the latest, of course, in the AFLW signings and commitments area. Time for your calls and your texts when we return here on the Overnight Crowd. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.